Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. Our message this morning is remember, secure sons, step four. We want you to know. Quattro. Quattro. We want you to know that your pastors have been doing our homework. It has been transformative and it's cultivating security, faith, and confidence in us as we're maturing into sons that are just like our father. Church, have you been doing your homework? Yeah. Oh, look, if you have, the obvious fruit will be supernatural transformation that is ever increasing, ever growing ever maturing you in the kingdom. So let's pick back up with our first step in Remember Secure Sons, and let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Say remember whenever you get there. I remember the first time. The la- <laughs> it won't be the last time, I promise that. No. Are you there? Yes. Deuteronomy 4, 9, only be careful. And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. So these words were written about 40 years after the Israelites had first stood in the Lord's presence at Horeb. The book of Deuteronomy actually lays out seven unique remembers so that you can become a secure son. Step one was to remember the day that you stood in the Lord's presence. To put that into perspective, we want to look at John 3, And begin in verse 7. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. When we remember the first day we stood in the Lord's presence, this is not to be confused with simply making a decision to follow Jesus. Often, people make many kinds of decisions. They also make New Year's resolutions. Sometimes their decisions are commemorated with special cards that declare that they made a decision. That is nothing like being born of the Spirit. Jesus is speaking to a religious leader here in this case. And he's talking to him about being born of the Spirit. See, this idea of being more than just a New Year's resolution, it is so much more than that. It's remembering the day that you were born of the Spirit. It is the day that you did more than just hope for heaven. More than the day you decided you just wanted to to be better in your life. More than the day that you just decided you didn't want to go to hell. This is remembering. This remembering is about the day something supernatural happened and you were actually born of the Spirit. Look, if this really happened for you, if you were really born of the Spirit, you would definitely know it. 
It was the day that your status changed. The day that you were seated at the king's table. The day you became a son of God. Consider John, the first chapter and 12th verse. If you think these are elementary, it's because you have approached them in an elementary fashion. Yeah. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right yeah. to become children of God. Amen. Children born not of natural descent. Catch this. Nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. On the genuine day that a man is born of the Spirit, that man becomes a son of God. He doesn't merely hope that he is. A supernatural birth occurs. And that man, more than any other on the earth, now knows that he is new. Yeah. He's a son of God. He doesn't need somebody else's assurance. He himself knows what happened to him. Come on yeah. now. You have to notice on verse 13 that's on the screen that the verse specifically says that the man was not born of human decision. He was not born of human decision. You very well have made a decision, but something supernatural had to accompany yeah. it. Yeah. Decisions are fickle. They're fleeting. But when a man is born of the Spirit, he knows it. Everybody say, he knows it. He, he knows, knows it. Because something supernatural has occurred, and that man is a new creation. He is a new creature, and he knows it above all because it's just happened to him. He doesn't need to try to be convinced externally no. because he knows that something has been birthed inside of him by the very Spirit of God. Amen. I have decided. Yeah, that's all I can do. Well, that's good for you. You decided to follow Jesus. If nothing else happened, then all that was was a decision that you've proven time and time again wasn't real. Yeah. This is not a matter of just your decision. Something supernatural must accompany it. The decision is an invitation and asking for a heavenly gift. And if there is no supernatural impartation, then you're just a sinner who has decided to try and fail. To yeah. follow Jesus. Titus has a lot to say about this. He does. Titus 3 verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Look, being born of the Spirit is always evidenced by a washing of rebirth. Always. The man is now a genuinely new creation that has been renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he knows it. This has to be distinguished from the man that simply was wanting to become a new or hoping he can avoid hell. He's looking to become something new without this washing or rebirth. When you have been washed in rebirth, it is far more than just hope. You, more than anyone else, know that it has occurred in your life. Amen. You know that you have been renewed by the Spirit 
of his holiness. Consider 1 John 2, 29 on this subject. If you know that he is righteous, do you know he's righteous? Oh, yeah. yeah. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Come on. See, being born of the Spirit is always accompanied by a new empowerment to do what is right. That's right. Many men want to do better. Some men even try to do better. But only the man who has stood in his presence is capable of doing better. Amen. The one born of the Spirit can actually do what is right. Yeah. This is evidence that he has become a son of God and is now seated at the table. Amen. Even those that are born of the Spirit still encounter difficulties. But they are no longer enslaved to those difficulties. Oh, that's a good word. We want to continue to engage with the scripture in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. We want you to consider exactly what the Apostle John is saying. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He, listen, tune in, he cannot go on sinning. Can't do it, won't do it, not going to do it, can't. Not even possible to continue to go on sinning. Why? Because he's been born of God. Yeah. The Bible states as fact that the evidence of a supernatural birth is that a man cannot go on sinning. We're speaking to you today, church. Y'all are kind of quiet. You're kind of looking at us as if these are familiar thoughts. They're looking for their birth certificate right now, which means we're doing our job. A man who has been born of the Spirit cannot go on sinning. When we remember the day that we stood in the presence of God, this is what we're talking about. This is step one. This is day one. A birthing into something new. A totally new status and a new existence. Remembering this moment that you stood in the Lord's presence allows you to move now towards step two. Let's move towards step two. In Deuteronomy 5.15, this is what it says. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Were. And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Out of there. Gone. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. A man cannot remember what he was if nothing has supernaturally changed in him in the first place. If you are sitting in here and cannot recall what you were in the past tense, then you should go back and revisit step one. For those of you who have, clearly experience step one being born of the spirit then step two is an incredibly edifying and securing it event is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. because you can recall what you were and are now not Come on. because you are in fact a new creation yeah. every time you remember this this ought to relive and renew and, and revive that event. 
but it's contingent upon you now not being what you once were. If you cannot get step one right, then step two isn't anything but remembering that you are and always have been and always Uh will be a slave no matter what decisions you think you've made. Come on now. Church, this sets up what the Hebrews would refer to as a Calve Comer kind of teaching. It goes something like this. And Bim is so excited that we're talking about Calve Comer. It goes a little something like this. If our father did that for you when you were a mere slave, how, how much, much more? more? How much more? Come on, say it with me. How, how much, much more? more? will he do for you now that you are actually a cherished son? Oh, yeah. If he delivered you when you were a slave, he brought you out. How much more will he do for you now that you are his son? Consider how Paul speaks about this in just one chapter of Romans. Look, we've even put it on a slide for you to help. Look at what Romans 5, 9 says. This is proof that we listen when our disciples preach as well. If you didn't hear Wednesday's message, oh, yeah, you should remember that. We took this right from the message that these young men preached to us on Wednesday. Romans 5, 9 says, Since we have now been justified by by his blood, how much more? It's all right. You're going to get it. We're going to do it again. Since we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Come on, on, that is the kind of of revelation that we're getting here. Romans 5.10, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Romans 5.15, but the gift, somebody say gift. Gift. Not decision. Not, not Billy Graham card, the gift. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? You very well may have decided, but if it was not met with a supernatural gift, then there's nothing to overflow to the many because you didn't actually receive anything. Come on. Romans 5, 17 says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Church, this born-again experience... This being born of the Spirit was a supernatural gift. It was a supernatural gift that was bestowed on slaves, on a slave like you and me. But now that you're not a slave, now that you are a cherished son, how How much more more can you expect his workings in your own life? Man, isn't that an impactful word? How much more? Look, steps one and two are only effective if you have actually experienced those steps. But if you have, then step three becomes truly legendary. Yeah. Legendary. 
Now that you are a supernatural son, look at what he tells you to remember. This comes from Deuteronomy 7, 17. It was our third step, the trio. You may say to yourself, these nations is stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? How? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well, Zakar, Zakar. Remember twice. What the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. Do you see how affirming that is if it actually happened? Oh, yeah. You saw with your own eyes the great tribes, the signs, the wonders. By the way, those signs and wonders are supernatural events. That's right. The mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out of there. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Before we get to this next one, it's not that we intend to discourage those that have already had this event. In fact, those that have already had this event cannot be discouraged because you know very well that you have it. It is our intention for you to have to check for your birth certificate, though, because these seven remembers are absolutely meaningless If you have nothing to remember but somebody else's theological prayer that they gave you. Oh, come on. Verse 20. Moreover. Moreover. The Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them. For the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. The Lord, your God, will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals would multiply around you. Look, you were once a slave and an alien, without God and without hope, separate from the life of our God. But that is not what you are now. Amen. Now you are a cherished son. This happened the day that you were, hear this, born of his spirit. Now that you are a cherished son, your father is reminding you what he did to your former slave master. Because he wants you to grow in your security as a son. Can somebody say that this is really good stuff? But it's really even better than that. He reminds us of what he did to the slave master and then says, Moreover, I will do the same to all the future enemies that you will face. Our father says this to his sons to secure us in our relationship with him. The day of your birthing in the spirit was the beginning of a journey. That journey began with your deliverance from one nation. But that is not this nation. This, not these, this. But that is not the end of the journey of your salvation. Consider Deuteronomy 7:1. When the Lord your, your God, God brings you, you into the land, you, you are entering to possess and drives out before you, you many nations: the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. 
seven nations, larger and stronger than you. Look, your journey in the supernatural realm began with the release from one slave master nation. But the journey is actually headed somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's going somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. In fact, the goal was not just to be let out of Egypt. It was to gain what had been promised. That's where their journey was headed. Our loving Father has lined up the hiding enemies within our land. And man, does he stir them up. Does he draw them out of hiding so that you can dispossess them? So that you can eliminate them. You hear it? He's lining them up for you. He's stirring them up for you. He's teeing them up for you so that you can knock them out of there. Target-rich environment. The process of <laughs> sanctification, well, it's more over. Sanctification is more, if you thought being birthed was good, how about being perfected in Christ? Yes. The process of sanctification is moreover, even better than our initial deliverance. Yeah. Because we are now sons that are in partnership yeah, with our are. Father. Yes. As you're walking through these remembers, it should be encouraging to you to understand that the hiding enemies are always bigger and stronger than us, but they are never bigger and stronger than our Father. Come on. Moreover, we get to partner with him for their destruction and our perfection. Has this been growing on the inside yes, of you, church? This concept that they've been there and they're bigger and stronger, but now you get to see them because God is going to give you victory over them. Amen. That's the moreover that we're talking about. And to help us, help us. we have another slide for you. Consider this slide that we have on the screen. Take a look at Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. See, on day one, you stood in his presence. He delivered you from that kind of slavery. And moreover, you get to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where you started was glorious. Where God brought you on day one was incredible. But it's moreover that you get to be transformed in the renewing of your mind in an ongoing basis. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's not just about the initial transformation and the initial glory with it. It is an ongoing transformation. And did you see that? Ever-increasing glory. That is a state of experiencing more over. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Uh -uh. No, we don't. no way. Not going to do it. Not going to happen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet, yes. moreover, More. inwardly, we are being renewed day yes. by day. I wasn't just washed in rebirth. Come on. Every day I'm being renewed in him. And I got to tell you, every day after the first day, well, moreover, it keeps getting better. Yeah, it does. Colossians 3.9 says, do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off that old slavery to your old self with its practices, you've put on the new self, which moreover is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of our creator. This is the time. Everybody say moreover with me. Moreover. 
Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is moreover that what began with our salvation, God's initial working, he continues to work within me. And moreover, that he is working in me to will and act according to what he desires and what he's purposed. If you have really been born of the Spirit, then you now are not what you once were in the past tense. Yeah. You are now a son in partnership with yes. your good father. Amen. And he is leading you into battle with every hiding enemy. Moreover, your partnership with him, well, it's producing the same kind of victories that your initial deliverance was. See, on day one, he defeated one nation for you. Now, as a son, your partnership with him is defeating re every remaining enemy in a little-by-little little process. Yeah. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Somebody say with me, seven victories, seven victories are better than one victory. Are better than one victory. What happens subsequent to salvation is more over. Amen. See, church, men like David... Men who were born of the Spirit of God recognizes this exact principle when he says things like, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Now this giant of an uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. See, you may come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name yeah. of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. He understood the moreover attitude, yeah. moreover than the lion, moreover than the bear. He was able to kill a giant, and there were many more moreovers in David's life. That wasn't even his biggest accomplishment. That wasn't even the best. He killed a giant, then he started subduing whole nations. <laughs> That's moreover. Are you ready for more? Yeah. Look, this leads us into our fourth step as a secure son. Because we're going to remember the last 40 years of his leading to build our security in the things we know he will yet accomplish in us and through us. So check out this slide to keep in step with what the Spirit is doing. So our first remember was remember the day you stood in the Lord's presence from Deuteronomy 4. The second remember that you were a slave and he brought you out, Deuteronomy 5. The third remember what the Lord did to Pharaoh and moreover in Deuteronomy 7. And our fourth, remember how the Lord your God led you in Deuteronomy 8. So let's read the text of our fourth step because you'll see how they fit together and how beautiful it is. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 8 in verse 1. Somebody say, remember when you get there? Remember. Be careful to follow the command I am giving you today. Every. So you may and increase what are you supposed to do? Live and increase. increase. An increase and may enter and possess. 
that the Lord promised on those your forefathers. See, everything that we remember in step four today, well, it's aimed at you. Oh, come on. Yeah. Aimed at you. God has promised you. The living Father has not planned a life of spiritual decline following your supernatural birthing in the Spirit. Our loving Father has planned a life of spiritual peace following our born-again experience. If you are born of His, your life increases and possesses more of the kingdom. If it was born of a human, well, it a life of continual decrease every day after you make the decision. That's true. Wow. But if you've received the supernatural stuff, <laughs> then it's increasing. Any increase Lord should bring you to a full stop in your tracks. If you are decreasing instead of constantly increasing in the kingdom, you were either never spirit, but you're headed in the wrong direction. Get the pressed in and you're rolling backwards instead of forwards. (laughs) Abby. (laughs) Church, this kind of assessment must be made many times with any son. Yes. The king correction, personal adjustment. Yes. It requires maturing through repentance. Amen. There are many verses that say this. You're supposed to test yourself to see if, in fact, you are in the kingdom. The word constantly tells us this. Two, profound, compelling, confident building for you. As you are walking as a cherished son. Can somebody say amen? Do you want insecurity? Yes. Yes. Then this is going to be a pleasant experience for you. The handful of you that have never this, I hope you want it. Honestly. Yep. There's nothing supernatural here. Because when you've been born of the spirit, you know it for sure. You understand? But we're remembering, we're remembering something amazing. Amen. Let's go to verse. Remember how the Lord your God led you. Oh, yes. Led you Woo. all the way in the desert. Test you in order to know you would keep his command. Look, church, there are births in the church world today so many false conversions so many inauthentic sons that this verse is usually read as a negative statement that's true, that's true. it is look since the average uh schmo in church today has only known failure in his life he sees failure in this remember of deuteronomy 8 2 that is not the right perspective on step four or the book of Deuteronomy in chapter eight. Well, let's, 
let's just deal with it. Let's get it out of the way for yeah. you. I know how you've read Deuteronomy 8. It's how I read it many times as well. It's wrong, and we're going to correct it. <laughs> so let's just say, did Israel grumble over the manna? Yeah. Yes. Uh, did Israel grumble over water? Yes, this is true. Yes. These were stumblings. But I want you to ask yourself something. If they were in the desert for 40 years, that's 14,600 days. How many times did they get it right? See, they wow. were successfully led by the Lord most of the time. Yeah. You know why? Because they were his sons. Come on. And he was teaching them to partner with him. Yes, you can point to a handful of mistakes that they made. But you were missing that they got it right most of the time. Yes. Come on, that is so good, isn't it? See, you hadn't thought about it like that. See, as we get to read verse 3 here in just a second, we want you to remember, you are his son. And this whole remember step is to teach you that you can be secure as a son. By the way, Pastor mentioned 14,600 days. Out of those 14,600 days, how many times do you read in the word of God that they refused to move when the pillar of fire by night or the pillar of cloud moved by day? How many times did you read that they did not move? Exactly zero times. Because our father is a really, really good leader in their lives and in the life of every son that's actually born of the Spirit. He is able to lead us to help us to get it right. And that's what this remember does inside of us. Man, that should be securing you as sons. Let's look at verse 3 and read it. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now we have a slide to help you with some further understandings about this. See the top of the slide is Deuteronomy 8.3 in the NIV, what we just read. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone. Now look at the ESV right below it. That he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone. Oh, it gets even better. Look at the NASB. That he might make you understand that man does not live on bread alone. Do you understand the words that is coming out of my mouth? The words coming out of my Torah? Could he, could he go any further into what it is that he wants you to grasp, comprehend? Yes. See, when our loving father initially birthed this nation of sons, he made a promise to bring them into the possession of the land. This time period between the initial promise being made mm -hmm. and the possession of the land, well, it was aimed at something specific, that they would yadah, that they would know or experience, yes. that they would experientially know the edification of depending on every word of their father. Yes. Yes. That's why they didn't go from Egypt slavery into the fulfillment of the promise like that. And it's why you can't either. Come on. The time in between is so that we can be led by his word and spirit and grow in our security Amen. as sons. 
that time in between is an important time. It's the time that a son spends in the desert between the promises made and the promises that are perfected. They're meant to teach every single son to trust the actual partnership with their father, to learn how to walk in it, to understand and to be secure as a son. When a son can look back and see that his father led him from the making of a promise through the desert and all the way to the completion of the promise, then the son becomes secure in his partnership with the father. He is then maturing into a a secure son. Look at verse 4. Your clothes did not wear out. You with me here, Jennifer? You got that? Clothes did not wear out. No new wardrobe needed. No new wardrobe needed. You could buy dresses, but your memories will serve you better. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Come on now. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines a wretched slave. No, 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 no. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his yard servant. No, no, no. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son. So the Lord your God disciplines you. See, in the desert years between the promises made and the promises coming to pass, the sons of God, they did not run out of provision. Come on. Do you know why? Because they are his sons. That's right. In the desert years between the promises made and the promises coming to pass, the sons of God did not fail so badly that the promises could not come about. Oh, yeah, y'all, y'all uh, yeah, to say that again. yeah, I'm, I'm going to work that again. Yeah. In the desert years between the promises made and the promises coming to pass, the sons of God did not fail so badly that the promises could not come about. Do you know why? Because they were sons. Yes. The connections between this concept and Hebrews 12, it would require another sermon all together. We don't have time for that. But understand this. All sons experience discipline. All sons must trust in the desert between the promise made and the promise completed. All sons should be encouraged by remembering the powerful leading of their father through these very times. Remembering these leadings are what give you the confidence to face the giants that are ahead of you. Now, I don't want you to get sidetracked by the word discipline. In this passage, discipline is a marker that you actually are a son. And the remember is not remembering the times you were disciplined. You have no problem remembering failures. The, The homework assignment, what we're looking for, is that you remember the times he successfully led you. Because there's more of those if you were actually born of the Spirit than there are of the unique failures that stand out in your life. So the thing is, is that the pastors and elders, we've been chronicling very specific leadings of the Spirit. They're highly supernatural, and they've extended for decades. Can you imagine that when we sit down, 
There are literally hundreds of events that we can write down, and we are. Most of them are so overwhelmingly supernatural that no honest third party could continue to deny the existence of God. For your benefit, we're not going to go through the thousands of messages that we've preached as led by the Spirit that directed your lives. For your benefit, we're not going to go through individual words of prophecy that change the direction of your life. Especially for your benefit, we're not going to go through the counseling sessions where you hit a brick wall and successfully were led back to life. We don't have time to recount the number of supernatural miracles that have happened in this very building. Yeah. Although next week, we might. The things that we wrote down were for our benefit in our homework. What we're about to share with you is a tiny sampling that we thought would benefit you in stirring your remembrance. It's what we think will build you up as secure sons. We want you to remember the ways that he has led you. See, church, I've been doing my homework by looking at God's leading in my life. I've written down when he gave me promises, how long it took in gestation in the desert, and the day that it was gained in my life. These are the powerful leadings of the Lord in my life. I remember the day that God gave me a beautiful promise as a son. I remember the day that God called me into ministry. I remember sitting on the back of a vehicle, check this out, on Christie Drive. Uh-oh. Because that's where I grew up, on Christie Drive. It was a curvy street? It was a very curvy, very beautiful street. Somehow it was also in the hood. I don't know how that part got there. Dangerous curves ahead. <laughs> Dangerous curves. I forgot. I'm sorry. What are we talking? No, okay. On a, sitting on the back of a vehicle on Christie Drive in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in the spring of 1995. Wow, get that. That's when the dinosaurs were first <laughs> yeah. hiding from asteroids. I was contemplating Ephesians 4 when the Lord spoke to me and he said this phrase. You're going to be a minister to ministers. A minister to ministers. Yeah. I want to let you know that there were many desert years between the promise made and the promise being fulfilled. He was growing my confidence as a son as I was divinely being led in many, many things. And I fell overwhelmingly in love with Christy during this period. We got married. He led me into an entire career as an educator. He led me into becoming a father. Our children weren't born of human decision or a father's will. They were born because the Lord spoke it to us. Through the desert, I was learning to depend on his word and his word only. His promise was renewed in my heart many, many times. Oftentimes by the men standing on this stage reminding me, prophesying, encouraging. The Lord using details of events in our lives, of where we would go, of what we would see. He was using this to water my soul by his goodness. His provision never ran out in my life. He was leading me as only a good father can. I want to tell you of one such time that he led me. It was in the year 2012. 
2012, he led me to purchase a home, to buy a house. Now, I know many people say that, and sometimes we just really mean we desire it and we pray it and we feel like the Lord allowed it. The Lord wants me to have this house, Pastor. <laughs> I know that it was God's leading because it required supernatural signs for it to even take place. There were supernatural means all along the way for us to be able to get into this house. I got to tell you, we were in a desert financially. I did not have two pennies to rub together. I could not have, I, we did not have money for a down payment. And we told a friend who was acting as our realtor, we have no money. We have no means. I have not gone to a bank but I feel like the Lord is leading us to get a house. On the first day of us going, of us, and by us I mean my wife, looking at houses, she said, I walked in a place and I felt the presence of God. I think this is the house. You've been gone for 45 minutes. <laughs> I, okay, we prayed and we knew that it was God. We were in a desert financially. We didn't even have the money for a down payment, but it just so happens that this house had a down payment that was only $100, and our realtor paid it for us. Why would it only be $100? I have no idea. Supernatural. We were in the desert of time. It was a house that you had to make a bid on because it was in a foreclosure. We found it on Thursday afternoon. The bid had to be in before Friday, close of business. I had not started anything. No paperwork. No visits to a lender. Nothing. From Thursday afternoon. Does that sound like a desert to you? Thursday afternoon, and we had to put a verified office, uh, offer with a letter and our final bid. Come on now. Where, where are the Clemens? Mario. Took right? In 12 hours, I had a letter sitting in my hand that the finances just pre-approved, finally approved, so that just the house. See, there were supernatural endeavors. We didn't have it was a supernatural event. And uh, as you have already figured out, I'm sure, since this is a testimony, we actually got the house. Dream house. It was everything that we could have ever hoped for. And a little over a year later, the Lord told us to sell the house. Now that's supernatural. Yes, supernatural. Every wants to give him a house. How many of you believe God told you to sell it? A little over a year later, God told us to sell the house so that we could move to Houston. We could join LCM. We could fulfill his promises to us. We trusted ourselves of the we were there were so many desert years between the promise made in 1994 and the fulfillment of becoming a shepherd, a servant, a minister who ministers, but in July of 2016, through a word of the Lord with 
confirmed through scripture, I became a full pastor here at Yes. Now in case you don't have enough fingers and toes to count this, because you actually don't. It's 21 years of the Lord leading me, of the Lord securing me, of the Lord allowing the calling to rightly day the actually gained in by the way i mean since we're talking about this what we divine dreams turned out to be the very investment that helped fund the 1995 ministry coming everybody say promise made promise made 21 years of gestation Years. 21, 21 years. years. And then promise gained. Everybody say promise gained. Promise gained. See, the time of leading in between served to sit as a son. And possessing and more of the kingdom. And aren't you blessed that that's been happening in his life? Well, I've been doing my homework too. His leading and I've written down when he gave me the promise. I've written down how long it took in gestation. I've written down the day it was gained. In fact, it worked for me is that I was called into ministry as well. And I needed ministry to first flow from my home. I remember very clearly in 1997, I was in worship, actually, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a promise about Miss Cassidy. We were dating at the time. And he showed me a clear picture of the fully mature and capable woman of God that she would become. In the picture, she was radiant, fine, beautiful. And she had a silver ring on her left hand. When I saw that silver ring on her left hand, the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is your ring on her finger. He was saying to me that she was mine and would be fully capable to minister with me. With this promise made, there was a distance to the promise being fulfilled. About a year later, we were married in May of 1998. And over the course of many years, we experienced a uh, gestation period. <laughs> a gestation period of the promise while in the desert of dependency. What that looked like is that we had six miscarriages. Constant friction in our marriage. And difficulty becoming a home that ministry could flow from. But it continued. In 2018, Pastor Wade, the homiletic blade, gave Cassidy a word. And that word was centered on the Greek word cosmos, beauty through right order. Man, this word proved to be the perfect word for my bride. Moreover, it was a major turning point in my life. It was a major turning point in my pastoring of my wife and ministry flowing from my home. 
As this word aided to the gestation of the promise God gave me, only days went by and I could now see what I had gained. It was then I looked up and there before me was that radiant, mature, capable woman of God as I first saw her in 1997. I realize that he has been leading us the entire time to become secure sons that are standing in the promise gained. Initially, there was a promise made. Then a time period of gestation. Once again, if you weren't able to do the math just yet, that's 21 years until the promise was then gained. The time of his leading in between has only served to secure me and my beautiful and radiant bride as sons. To be clear, your homework will be to remember his spirit leading you. We're only giving you the beginning, the gestation, and the end so that you can clearly see that it was the Lord. But yours is to remember the times that he's led you. I want to share with you a jewel. Uh, I don't have to. I want to. I'm about to show you the family jewels. <laughs> Get ready. This is something that I usually keep just for private discussion in my family. It's a pearl to me. So if it doesn't mean very much to you, that's okay. It's a risk for me to share it. Exodus 3:11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. You ready for the sign? Yes. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. The reason this is uh, a treasure to me, a family jewel, is like Moses. I've had many concerns through the years, even as a son about whether or not I should or would or even could do the things that the Lord has led me to do. I know that I'm alone in that regard. But I've always taken such encouragement from the sign given to Moses. The sign that I am with you is when you have been able to complete what I told you to do. That's how you'll know that I was in it all along. Because you know that you couldn't do it. You know that it wasn't your idea to do it. And so when it is done, you will not be able to deny that I led you to do it. Yeah. That's become a part of the Stevens family banner. And um, I simply wanted to share with you in our remaining few minutes here a couple things that I think are worth noting. In 1993, three times it's noted in my first Bible the extent to which God would extend ministry through our life. Very specific prophecies. They're actually signed and dated in my first Bible. But the one association, which is what those were describing, didn't come about until 2016 when we had our first conference. I mean, there were other prophecies and plantings along the way, but that's when it, it actually you could see it. That's 23 years in a gestation period. In 1994, the Lord first spoke to me about Matthew Pirro, 
the specific word was that he would be a worship leader, a pastor, and an apostolic minister. It wasn't until 2013 that Matthew was on full-time staff in this church. That's a 19-year gestation period, and I think that prophecy is still ongoing. It is. In 1997, the Lord spoke to me about Justin Johnson, the pastor of King's Harvest Church now, but he wasn't then. Then he was a kid in Louisiana Tech with no interest in the ministry. In 2015, Justin became the full-time pastor of King's Harvest Church. You know what's crazy about that? I had just been ordained as a pastor in the church, and while I am praying about my new mission, the Lord said, um, Justin is the pastor. Do you know how confusing that was? I went and told Justin, but I told Justin a pastor. I later had to repent, tell him I was just making room for myself. You don't have to do that with the Lord. For Justin, it was 18 years from the time that I saw, I'm not saying he wasn't told many times that by somebody else. I just know when I told him. In 1997, I met Pastor Sutherland, except he wasn't Pastor Sutherland then. I've been telling Pastor Sutherland at every major event in his life, yeah, you can pursue that. You can do that. You are a pastor. Yeah. In 2016, he became a full-time pastor at LCM. That's 19 years. In 2005, I met a young crazy man named Nick Slaughter. In the first month that I met him, I told him that he was a pastor and a church planter, and I worked to prepare him for that. In 2013, he planted a rising church. That's eight years of gestation. In 2008, I met Buddy Brasso, and I told Buddy Brasso when I met him, he would be a pastor. In 2018, he planted Ehud to Peru. That's 10 years of gestation. By the way, in Buddy's life, by the way, in December of 1994, it was written into my Bible with witnesses and signatures. The Lord has now made clear to me that we will plant ministry in Peru. But I didn't meet Buddy until 2008, and it didn't happen until 2018. So we can say it's 10 years in the making, but it's proof, even written in my Bible, that it was more than 24 years in the making. In 2010, I met Michael Hutchinson. I knew from the moment that I met this scrappy, young man among men, this guy's going to build the kingdom. I began telling him that he was called to fivefold ministry, something that he seemed to already know. In 2015, he was ordained as a pastor. Five years of gestation. In 2011, I met Zeke Lamb. I told Zeke that he would be a pastor and a church planter. In 2013, Zeke planted Submission Ministries. Three years of gestation. I met Eric Treister in Mexico many times. But we were in India together in 2015. My wife was sick and he stayed up and prayed with me all night. So we skipped a night of prayer or a night of sleep in prayer. The next day when we went to sleep, we had repetitive dreams that Eric was pastoring. In 2017, he planted New Life Ministries. That's two years of gestation. Look, when I look back at the pastors of the One Association, you know what this lets me do? 
It lets me look at Justin Treister, who I met in 2009 and saw filled with the Holy Ghost. And I've been telling him he's a five-fold minister ever since. I don't know when he's going to Israel, but I got the title deed to it. It Come will on, happen. Amen. Come on now. In 2012, the first time that I met Nick Aragina, I prophesied to him about revival around the Black Sea. I don't know when he's going to Turkey, but I know that it will happen. Amen. In 2016, at a New Year's event, I prophesied to Peyton, pick up a guitar. You're going to need that. You're a part of a three-fold team that you don't know about yet. And the nations are waiting on y'all. I don't know when he's going to Turkey, but I know that it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. That's not even getting in to Judah and Gabe and all of the others. I hope you're getting the point. God's spirit led me into supernatural promises that were made. There were decades of gestation that served a singular purpose. After each promise was gained, I became more and more secure as a son. Yeah. I want you to understand, Miss Jo looks like a superwoman. But she's just as scared to make a supernatural proclamation as anybody else. I want you to understand that Natalie Aragina looks like a superhero, but she's just as scared. I want you to understand we're all made of the same stuff, but the more that you can go back and look and see his spirit said it, I clung to it, and it happened, the more that secures you as a son. You ought to have hundreds of pages of these things. But you got to be born of the Spirit, or at best you have coincidence and cloud formations and queer songs on the radio. Look, there's probably no more important scripture that you could zero in on than Romans 8.14. Turn with us to Romans 8.14. Come on, is something inside of you coming alive as you're hearing these testimonies? It's nothing like what's going to happen as you remember your own testimonies of how God led you. Romans 8, 14 through 16 tells us something that's so important. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba! <laughs> the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Amen. Notice the elements that are present here in Paul's statement. First, the very security that you have as a son is based on knowing that you are led by his spirit. I got to tell you something. It was a revelation. It was a revelation to me seven, uh, several years ago as I was looking at this and I began to understand it in a different way. It took me becoming a more secure son to understand this verse rightly. I always looked at it as a mandate. God, you, you've got to lead me by your spirit. I, 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 I hope that you'll lead me. And then I understood that the exact reverse of that is what it's trying to say. Because I am a son, his spirit will lead me. Amen. I'm not begging him to do it. I'm his son. And because I am, he leads me by his spirit. Amen. I got to tell you something, church. There is security in that kind of truth. There is. 
Notice what's next in this verse. The leading of the Spirit will never take you back into slavery. That's not where he leads you. The Holy Spirit allows and leads you into more secure sonship. He leads you into increasing and possessing the kingdom. In fact, he is referred to as the spirit of sonship. There should be security in that truth for you. Lastly, as an element of this passage, we want you to notice something. The spirit testifies with the spirit of the man. Testifies with our spirit. The spirit testifies with or in partnership with our spirit. Come on. Yeah. See, when a man has been born of the spirit, the Holy Spirit testifies with the spirit of the man that he is a son of God. Remembering the genuine leading of the Holy Spirit in your life is the Holy Spirit testifying with or in partnership with your spirit, that you are a son of God. There is security in that. If you can look back and say, he definitely, nobody else, him, let me hear, and you did it, your spirit and the spirit of God now have a partnership that says you are a son of God. Amen. Come on, I'm still moved by verse 14. I want you to take a look at it again. I want us to consider one more nuance from the NASB translation of the verse, and I think we can put it on the screen. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these, these are the sons of God. Yes. Uh-oh. Come on, these sons. This leadings do not come to a stopping point. Amen. There is no cessation. <laughs> no cessation. The leadings do not come to a stopping point. There's no cessation. It's an ongoing testimony that you are, in fact, a son of God. Church, there is such security in this truth. Mm. As we move to a close, we would, of course, walk you through the life of Samuel so that you can see that he was born of the Spirit in 1 Samuel 3 and then show you how he grew in security as a son as the leading of the Spirit proved true in his life, none of his words fell to the ground. Well, we could, of course, walk you through the life of David so that you could see he was born of the Spirit, that he grew in security as a son, that it was ever-increasing, that he was gaining ground, that he was leading God's people until he established the kingdom of God. We could, of course, walk you through the book of Revelation, coming to the 14th chapter so that you could see that the very needs, the very deeds that follow righteous men into eternity are the leadings of the Spirit that propelled them into eternity. You would find that remembering the leading of the Spirit gives you the courage to even be able to face martyrdom. We would, of course, walk you through the life of Peter so that you could see his security as a son grow. How do you think he felt when he remembered that he was led in such a way that his own shadow brought healing to people? We could, of course, walk you through the life of Paul so that you could see how his security as a son grew demonstrably when he saw men like Timothy and remembered he had laid his hands on him. When he saw the young man doing so well that it revived his soul just to see it. We could, but we're not going to. The point of the message was for you to increase. Yeah. 
for you to gain ground. We want to remind you that you need to take this week. You need to chronicle the powerful leading of the Lord in your life from the moment of your birth in the kingdom up till now. Church, many of you in this room have definitely been born of the Spirit and have been immersed in His power. This means that you're on the right road. But you may need to evaluate the direction that you're moving on that road. Remember the powerful leading of the Spirit in earlier days. See, our giants get bigger as we journey forward. But listen to this. So should the pile of dead giants behind you. As you are remembering this, this will secure you as a son. Some of you in here have been baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. That was never meant to be just speaking in tongues. Is your being led by the Spirit ever increasing, ever possessing? Are you being led into such security as a son that you are daring bigger and bigger things for God? Some of you sitting in this room have definitely never been born of the Spirit. You've learned things. You've made some decisions. You even have tried to do better. But it's clear that you have not been born of God. If you think I'm wrong, that's okay. But how do you know that I'm wrong? Is there evidence of the washing of your rebirth? Is there evidence of the daily renewal in the Holy Spirit? Or is the best that you can do is point to some tired, old, lame doctrine that was never derived from the word in the first place that says you made a decision one time when you were eight. We want you to be born of the Spirit. And we can't do it for you, but we have a gracious God that when a man admits his slavery will come in supernaturally and then nobody could convince you that you're not a son. If you have to keep reminding yourself that because of a decision you made sometime in the past, despite all that you're seeing now, well, you may never have been born of the Spirit. And that's why so many Christians are stillborn and maimed and walking in an ever-decreasing life. And that is not our Father's will. He actually wants you to be able to remember what you were and are now not. He wants you to remember what he has done to the enemies you have faced. He wants you to remember his almighty spirit leading you like a father holding the hand of a son. If you don't know what that is like, I'm not talking about a theological assertion. The demons are monotheistic. It doesn't do a damn thing for them. If you don't know what that's like on a yada level, an experiential level, well, then you may have fallen into something that acknowledges all kind of truths that you have never experienced. And we want you to have that opportunity. Stand to your feet with us now. We're going to be very direct and very plain with you here today. This altar is for those in this room who need to genuinely have a birth in the Spirit, who genuinely need to be saved, not of a man's decision, 
but of submission to the very will of God and finding supernatural transformation. Here at this altar today, there are going to be people who are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, empowered from on, ha- on high, proving sonship right here at this altar today. Some of you have been asking about it. Some of you have been thinking about it. Today is the day for you. For every person in this room, the call today is for you to evaluate your state The only acceptable term that we can have is that you are ever increasing, ever possessing more of what God has for you. If you've become stagnant, if you've become where you are decreasing in your walk with the Lord, today is the day. Today is the day for you to understand what true sonship is like, for you to remember what God has done in your life where he led you and where he can lead you again. If you are desiring to get saved, you're going to come over and be by Pastor Matt so that we can pray with you. If you desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to come over here and I'm going to lay my hands on you and you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And for the rest of you, the rest of the altar is open. For those who want to increase, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to let those who need to be filled with the Spirit and be saved, give them a three-second head start, and then you rush this altar to get what you need from the Lord. Mighty God, we love you. Lord, we need you right now. God, we remember how you've led us. We remember what you've done. Lord, I pray right now that there be genuine salvations in this room today that there be those who genuinely get filled with the Holy Spirit right here at this altar today, mighty God. Lord, and for the rest of us, that we might learn what it's like to increase every day in your kingdom, that we can trust that where you've led us before is how you'll do it again. Lord, come and be with us today. Come and move as we remember your goodness, as we remember your leading. In Jesus' name we pray.